good afternoon to you, Kevin. Uh, yeah, good afternoon, Bob. Hello to everybody out there, and welcome to Insight Peterborough. How you doing, Bob? Well, so far, so far, uh, Devin, I'm, I've been doing pretty good. With a little bit of uh, arthritis there on the on the wet Sunday uh, morning. Yeah, only a, uh, only a touch, just a touch. Yes, yeah, arthritis uh, tends to rear its head in damp weather. That's for sure. So we're going to do a little bit of a switcheroo this week. Actually, next uh, Tuesday, so that would be the 15th of October, is has been declared International or World White Cane Day by the uh, Lions International. But um, because the election is coming up on us very shortly, uh, by the 14th, which will be next Monday, uh, a week from today, I will have had a chat to, uh, with as many of the candidates as possible. So I will want to play uh, the uh, chat that I have uh, with them, asking them questions from people with disabilities that I asked you folks to send in earlier. Have you had much response? Indirectly, I've managed to find questions that um, different organizations sent in. Wow. Unfortunately, I didn't have any questions from individuals, okay. which well, was... At least you have something that uh, people were concerned about, right? Yeah. Right. Um, so anyway, I will have that to play next Monday. Uh, so I thought what we would do this week is uh, do an early celebration of World White Cane Day, uh, which is October 15th. Okay. So last February, uh, no, not last February, a year ago last February, uh, Simon Trevoranis, who was our uh, co-host then, did an interview with a, a panel of blind people. One was Debbie Thomas, uh, and another one was Ted Cook, and I was the third. And so I thought that um, if we played that again, that would be a good thing. And if you didn't hear it then, then you can be uh, educated for the first time instead of the second. So here is that um, interview. And the first voice you'll hear is uh, that of Simon Trevoranis, who used to be our co-host before Bob came along. Well, there you go. So we are now going to interview our panel of folks for White Cane Week, and we have Deborah Thomas, Ted Cook, and of course Devin Wilkins. Hello, everybody. Hi. So, Deborah, you you mentioned something about Terry Kelly. I'm curious. Do you want to just share that brief? Yes, I worked at the CNIB a few years ago, and um, I had the pleasure of meeting Terry Kelly. And uh, we had a nice discussion. We had lunch together, and uh, so that was uh, that was a uh, uh, that was real nice for for me to get to uh, to meet him, and uh, that was uh, that was a real special time. Very nice. So is Terry Kelly blind? Yes, he is. I think he might have some partial vision. I I'm not sure. Okay. Well, that might be a good lead into the first thing we can chat about. I guess is. What happens when you meet 
a blind person. I don't know how we should facilitate this. Maybe, what do you think, Ted? Um, how to facilitate it? No, I'm talking or to you about, to actually... yeah, what, do you, what happens when you meet a blind person? I'm not sure I could boil that down to a set of rules, but it, it's, it's almost easier to say what, what, what shouldn't happen or what shouldn't you do when you meet a blind person, because it seems like there's, there's some people who um, almost make too big of a deal of it and are, uh, they, they just feel like they're, it seems like they're trying to walk on eggshells when they really don't need to, you know, and, and so I would say is, is um, try not to not to let it make the socials uh how do i phrase this it gets uncomfortable really quickly yeah yeah so if if you're meeting a blind person for the first time don't let it intimidate you in that sense and and, and treat it much like you would any other social situation because after all the person is the person first and blind second mm -hmm. interesting okay and so what kinds of things should people be, uh, you know, aware of or considerate of when they meet a, a person for the first time who happens to have visual impairments? Anybody? Well, when um, you're you're um, in a group, or um, whether you're in a group or on this on the street, um, it's it's always nice to uh, if you can um, start up a conversation. Um, many times you might experience, um, you know, somebody who just wants to do a good thing to help, um, just help, um, help somebody through their, through their day, helping you across the street. And the thing to keep in mind is that, uh, uh some people are, are, are hesitant, but they want to, they want to help you. So uh, quite often people will, uh, you know, might grab you by the arm, thinking that you're you're going to step out in the street in the wrong time, and uh, it can uh, blow your your concentration if you're trying to travel independently, because a blind person has to uh, really focus in, um, especially a totally blind person, and uh, so you're listening to the traffic where where the traffic is, where you are in relation to the traffic. And uh, somebody comes along and says, "Hey, I'll, I'll, here, let me, let me, let me grab you. I, I'm, I'm your eyes today, okay?" That's the, <laughs> I, I always, I got that a few times, and um, I just, uh, you know, I just politely say, you know, let, let, let me take your arm. It is actually uh, a lot safer, and uh, it would help both, uh, both you and I, and. Uh, because sometimes you're you're on your way to work or an appointment and you don't have the time to really strike up a conversation. Interesting. So so it sounds like people take control or they think that they have to take control of the situation. Is that right, Devin? Yeah, they do. When really all you have to do when you meet, if you are meeting a blind person you don't know, just say, uh, can I help? And then the person... Uh, we'll say, uh, oh, yes, could you do such and such? Or, uh, no, I'm fine, thanks. And don't be offended if they say no, because um, we all like to do things independently. So, you know, um, 
If they say no, then you just go on about your day, and they'll do the same. And uh, but if if they say yes, then they will no doubt go on to tell you uh, how uh, you could be of assistance. And if it's someone that you know that you're meeting, um, I'm going to relate a story to you. I was down in Shoppers World in Brampton a number of years ago. And this lady came up to me and she said, oh, hi, Devin, it's Kathy. Mm -hmm. And that was good as far as it went. And then she went on to say something. Um, and I, to this day, I do not remember what she said because I was thinking, Kathy who? <laughs> Kathy Bloomfield, Kathy Smith, yeah. Kathy Why? You know, all of these people that I, all of these Kathys I'd ever met in my <laughs> life. And then finally she say, said, so have you talked to mom? And I'm like, uh, mom, uh, I'm a, and she yeah. said, you know, Carrie Wyeth. Oh, you're that Kathy, I said. Yeah. <laughs> so when, you know, especially if you have a, a fairly common name, you know, if you say, hi, I'm I'm uh, Kathy Smith, or hi, Devin, it's Kathy Smith, um, which is really good. That's interesting. I, I certainly remember people well because of facial uh, recognition and so on, so I wonder how much of a difference that would make uh, if I was to, to lose my vision, how, how hard that would be to determine who I was talking to. Yeah. I guess voices, can you, is, are voices really easy to recognize if you've got... Not comparable, I would say. I, I had pretty much full vision until I was 10 and maintained enough vision after that to recognize faces for about two years, I'd say. And uh, I was a spatial visual thinker. I, I still am a spatial visual thinker, even though I don't have any usable vision, which is something that blows most people's mind, that a blind guy actually visualizes most things he thinks about. <laughs> but, um, you know, so I, I recognize people by faces. You know, I, I remember when I was nine, I switched schools, and about a year later, I was back at that school for probably a fundraiser, just because my sisters were still going to that school. And I ran into someone who I used to have, be a classmate with. And I absolutely could recognize him. I knew exactly who he was. And this is even though I was visually impaired. I could still recognize his face. But, um, you know, couldn't remember the name whatsoever. And so that's, that's how strongly a, a face could stick in my mind, but a voice I can forget. It, it, it takes a lot for me to learn a voice. And especially if you're someone that I don't have very many one-on-one -on -one conversations with you know if i'm only only know you from uh, a group setting where there's seven plus people at any given time it's difficult for me to single out your voice and learn uh you know learn what makes it unique so i've learned to simply become quite blunt about saying sorry i'm not recognizing your voice right now hmm. and i i'll say that sometimes and discover that it's someone i actually know quite well and other times it's most of the time it's someone I just know from campus and have ran into a few times and I wouldn't expect to remember anyway. It all depends on uh, the level of noise around you, whether um, the voice comes over the way it should or if you're in a different context. For example, if I were to meet, I'm from the eastern townships of Quebec originally, if I were to meet somebody from there right now that whose voice I would know normally if I met them down there, 
I probably wouldn't think of, you know, who it is, because I'm, I just would not expect to see that person here in Peterborough. Interesting. So yeah. how, how much of, of uh, knowing who you're talking to is, is recognizing who you should be talking to, like who's close by? Like you know, because I'm sitting here and I'm talking, that it's me. If, I've got, if I'm sick and my voice doesn't sound normal, you know, there could be an imposter. <laughs> it's very important. I find it very important. Um, I've never had, uh, well, Devin and I, we have never had uh, vision at all. And um, I, so, of course, I grew up um, uh, just just uh, being able to identify most people by their voices. Although, um, you know, if, yeah, if you haven't... Uh, talked with a person for a while or you know they've they've been away or whatever it's uh you know i'm always asking yeah you know hi uh, how you doing i don't i i don't remember who you are i'm sorry you know so um that is um it it it, uh, it also helps uh when you're in a group setting um and uh, sometimes i found myself um not intentionally eavesdropping on a conversation, but listening for that person's voice. And as they're talking, I can find my way over to them and say, hi, it's, uh, you know, hi, hi, it's Debbie. I always do that even with a sighted person. Uh, I always say, hi, it's Debbie. I went to visit a, um, a very ill gentleman last week in uh, palliative care. And he, he's very sick. He doesn't recognize anybody anymore. So I went up to his bed and I said, uh, and I said, uh, Earl, I said it's Debbie. The uh, I'm the one that is uh, that is blind. I have a white cane and I come to the church. And I reached out and I touched his shoulder and and I don't know really whether he recognized me or not. But that's what I would want somebody to do if, uh, you know, if you're in a situation where you're not in control. Uh, you know, in a hospital bed, and you know, um, it, it's very, it's, it's very important. That seems like a very interesting point as well. Is that you should be introducing yourself and introducing, like, giving your full name. Hi, my name is. How are you today? I wonder. That's something that we could all probably benefit from because my memory isn't isn't too great. And while I try my best to remember everybody I meet's name, it would be really nice. It would be really convenient if they introduced themselves to me too. <laughs> I remember uh, the first uh, time I went to the uh, PRHC for a procedure, and I never expected to meet anyone there that I knew, but the volunteer uh, came over to me and she said, oh, hi, Devin, it's Carol Adams from church. And immediately I thought, ah, there, okay. Now there, here's someone familiar. Not that I knew her all that well at that point, but at least, uh, you know, it really changed my emotional state. <laughs> you more I comfortable? Yes, much more relaxed. <clears throat> yeah. The other thing that I would ask everybody not to do, please, please don't do this, because it just drives me wild when someone does it, 
Don't come up to um, someone who is blind and say, Hi, do you know who this is? Oh, do you know who I am? I hate it. Oh. No, it's not a game. No, I don't, I don't no. think I've ever had someone do that with oh, me. Okay, okay, maybe a couple of times. Oh, but oh it's quite common. It, it's happened rare enough that um, it hasn't gotten on my nerves quite yet. So. <laughs> but I, I have an interesting anecdote that's similar to what you just said. Back when I was, I believe I was 17 at the time, and I was uh, at a doctor's appointment in, in Toronto Sick Kids Hospital, which was a good hour drive from where I was living and went to high school. So it's not my specialist there. And, you know, there, there tends to be some long waiting, some, some long waits in the waiting room there. So my mother and I were playing a card game to pass the time. And I remember this particular deck of cards was missing, I believe it was the Nine of Diamonds, which I've, if I'm not mistaken, I lost it at the at the ski dock at a summer camp a few years prior. <laughs> That's another memory in itself. It's very specific. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, summer camps give me some very distinct memories. But anyways, so my mother's asking, oh, why is there this joker in this deck? And I said, oh, that's just to replace the Nine of Diamonds. Like, oh, okay, so I'll... You know, write nine of diamonds on this, and she writes down. She said, "You said nine of diamonds, right? You said, you said it's the nine of diamonds, right?" And I said, "Yes, it is." And then I immediately heard, "No, it isn't." From right behind me, I heard someone <laughs> say, "No, it isn't." And number one, I was very shocked to hear the voice of my friend Dylan from immediately behind me. But what shocked me even more was that I immediately recognized it, way out of context, from just that one line. How cool! And I was actually significantly more shocked that I recognized it, you know, that far out of context, an hour away from home. This is in the middle of summer, so we, you know, hadn't, since we went to high school, we were, we were I, I knew him from school, so since it was the middle of the summer, we hadn't talked in a month and a half, and um, my mother's like, oh, Ted, you know that? And, and was, I, I stood there in dumbfounded silence for a, maybe a half a minute before it says, yeah, Dylan, Hi. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, you know, if I know someone's voice well, then I can recognize it in that sense. But it, there, there's only a handful of voices that I could say, really say I can pick out quite that easily. Interesting. What kind of reactions do you folks get when you, when you have those kinds of like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I don't recognize your voice, or could you please tell me your name, or, you know, are people usually really forthcoming with that information, or... Yep. I'd say so. I had one incident, and uh, I was hanging out in the lab on campus, just the computer lab, and someone came in, and we were chatting, just talking about how our day was, and uh, I wasn't recognizing his voice quite yet, so I simply said, sorry, I'm not recognizing your voice right now, and he said, oh, come on, you know me, it's like we were, you know, in class together and all this stuff, and uh, I don't think he ever ended up saying his name to me, but to be quite frank, if... You know, given that there's a lot of people who hang out in that lab who I'm not particularly close to anyways, I, I don't particularly care that I never actually found out who he was. So, no. <laughs> so, you know, vast majority of the time, people just sort of say, oh, sorry, I'm so-and-so. It's not a big deal, and they don't make a big deal out of it. And sometimes people are like, what? You can't recognize my voice, Sam? It's like, no, not from not from just hearing a hello, how are you? Not quite yet. Hmm. Interesting. So, you know, I, I try to, if they seem at all offended, even if they're just sort of joking, then I just sort of make it clear that, um, 
maybe I just haven't heard enough of their voice yet in this conversation to pinpoint who they are. Mm-hmm. But if people don't say who they are, it stops any intelligent conversation. For example, what I would say to Kathy Smith would be totally different from what I would say to my longtime friend Kathy Bloomfield from the Collingwood area. You know, they're just totally different. So um, I wouldn't ask Kathy Bloomfield how her twins are because she doesn't have any. <laughs> that seems to make sense. Yeah, right. So if, you know, if the person says, hi, I'm so-and-so, uh, first and last name, then it, it uh, gets that out of the way right away, and uh, then we can say, oh, yes, well, how are you feeling now after you know, your your recent illness or whatever the situation is? Hmm, okay. Yeah. So a lot of the work that I do is involving around networking and, and meeting new people, and I wonder about the handshake. It's always like a somewhat awkward thing to initiate uh, when you're dealing with somebody who's visually impaired. Can we talk about handshakes a little bit? Sure. So that's a thing. Everybody does handshakes. Uh, yeah. Is that something that, yeah. that do, do two blind people shake hands? Sure. Yes. My, my rule is if I'm not sure if this is the type of greeting or that's going to have a handshake or not, you know, when in doubt, I assume there is going to be a handshake and I offer my hand. Uh, I did have one time when, who was it? We had dinner. I was, I was at my parents' house at the time, and my parents were having dinner guests. I think it was in, perhaps an old childhood friend of my mother's. I, I can't remember specifically. And, you know, I was meeting her for the first time, so I went to shake her hand, and it turns out she was actually carrying <laughs> carrying something for the meal. It's like, oh, just let me put this down first before yes. you shake your hand. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I get, I get that once in a while, but it's... Um, I figure it's better to have those awkward moments than have the reverse happen where somebody's yeah. reaching out to shake my hand and I'm being rude and not offering my own hand. So <laughs> yeah. It can be slightly awkward. And uh, other than that, no. I have been sorry, Debbie. Sometimes what what I've been what I've uh, uh, what I've done is uh, if it's um, myself and another uh, blind person uh, who. Uh, in a situation where we're both getting to know each other, sometimes, um, you know, I'll say I'm, I'm putting my hand out to give you a handshake, and sometimes I, you know, there's, you know, just click with my with my fingers a little bit, and sometimes that, you know, that um, gets rid of an awkward moment uh, with two blind people meeting for the first time, um, and when. Um, uh, I've run into the same situation as uh, as uh, that Ted uh, just described, and um, yeah, it it can be uh, it can be a little bit awkward. Um, I uh, also ran into a situation where I, I was sitting having a cup of coffee, and uh, a partially sighted person came over, and wouldn't you just know it? Knocked over your coffee. He grabbed my hand. And started to shake my hand, oh, and I had this cup of coffee in my hand, and I was like, "Oh my goodness!" And and I, I you know, and I said to him, I said, oh, "Okay, um, before you just reach out and grab somebody's somebody's hand, um, you know, or you're reintroducing yourself, just say, uh, you know, can we shake hands or or something like that later on? It just kind of spares a an awkward situation." 
Was any coffee spilt? Oh, yeah, all over me. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. And I was working uh, that day, so... I, and I wasn't able to get home to get myself all changed up, so I, I was uh, walking around uh, seeing I'd be smelling like a cup of coffee all day. So a wonderful aroma. <laughs> uh, yes, it is. it's we, not the worst yeah. thing to smell of. No, no, no it people, is not. No, I happen not to like coffee though, so it would be for me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'd be rather annoyed if you were working next to me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So when it comes to somebody like myself meeting a new individual who's visually impaired. Hi, my name is Simon Trevoranis. I'd like to shake your hand. Does that alleviate the awkwardness? Sure. Yep. That kind of a just a just a communication up front. I'd like to shake your hand, mm-hmm. and then the hand comes out, and then we then we yep. shake hands. I've even had people say, "Hi, uh, I'm so and so, and I'm uh, I'm just reaching to shake your hand," and they might get as far as. Um, down, you know, where my if my hand is in my lap or whatever, but usually I'm listening to what they're saying, and at that point I'll start reaching up to to shake your hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, a humorous situation happens every once in a while. Uh, I'm mentioning my friend Kathy Bloomfield in Collingwood. I used to work at a an independent living center in Collingwood. And there were times when people came in uh, who were blind and introduced themselves, like um, the children's author, Jean Little. Um, She is almost totally blind. And um, quite often, um, if Kathy was there, uh, say, bringing the person into my office, I've had her guide that person's hand and my hand together. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so should people make any assumptions that you need help with anything like that? I mean, grabbing onto your shoulder to help you orient across the street, uh, grabbing onto your cane and helping you find something, grabbing onto your hand to help you find somebody else's hand. I mean, grabbing that, is pa- not good. Grabbing equals bad. It's yeah. it's really it's really uh, uh, a negative thing uh thing to do there are situations when you know it it can be um it it can be acceptable uh i guess if if you're uh you know if if you're going to walk into something and somebody with good intention uh grabs your shoulder but it always helps to say uh for for the person to say um well there's something there's something in your way uh, right, you know, right, uh, right in front of you. Of course, you know, situations, uh, all kinds of situations are uh, very, very different. Mm-hmm. You know. But can I help, or how can I help? Yes, are, yeah. are are always good general questions. Yeah. But just getting back to the. Uh... Oh, we've got to turn your mic, Mike. Uh, there, Ted. Oh, there you go. We're good. Okay. Uh, just getting back to the topic of of trying to shake hands with another blind person. Uh, one tip that I found, rather than having someone guide our hands together, is um, <laughs> if, if you think of this from sort of the geometry of how it all works, if I'm reaching out with my right hand and they're reaching out with their right hand, so their right hand, of course, is on my left side, I will typically uh, move my hand a bit further to the left. Yes. And so if if my hand, you know, left of... Normally, your hands are supposed to meet roughly in the center, but I'll move my hand left of that a bit. Yep. So even if our hands miss each other, then at least, you know, their hand might 
hit our hit my forearm or our wrist might knock against each other and that sort of initiates the first contact and then yep. from there it's easy enough to slide down from the wrist or the forearm to the hand and that's the way a lot of handshakes work between two blind people is that first some other part of their <laughs> forearm or hand will bump against each Starts other Starts with a collision does it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's a you could call it a crash and slide method. I kind of like that. I like that. Blind yeah, handshaking like one one, the crash and slide. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's wonderful. Yeah. It sounds like a baseball maneuver. It does. Yeah. It? Like you, you knock over the catcher and then run it sliding to home base. That's right. That's so, humor. Oh, goodness. Yeah, humor's, humor's oh, yeah. good. Yeah. Oh, I have overheard classmates at Trent to say something like, uh, I used to feel awkward around Ted, but then I realized how, what a good sense of humor he has about all that, and I feel much more relaxed around him now. You know, I, I've heard that kind of comment or overheard it multiple times. Yeah, it seems yes. like a really important part of uh, relating is this mm -hmm. just being able to, to have a bit of fun with it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it all depends, of course, I mean, the, the sighted person coming into the situation would have no idea uh, but it all depends um, on the blind person's level of acceptance of their blindness uh, whether they feel like joking around about it or not I uh, once knew a uh, an older lady who had lost her sight and um, um, I twice I can think of had to say to her I'm, I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm just making light of the situation, you know. Um, I, I can't recall just what the specific instances were, but most of the time people will um, easily laugh about something or, you know, they'll even crack a joke themselves about their own blindness quite often. Uh, what I'll say is um, if I happen to... Uh, brush somebody's shoulder um, I did this in church last uh, Sunday as a matter of fact um, we were going from uh, where we have our uh, service to um, uh, I was going back to the choir room and I happened to brush somebody's shoulder and I just said oh Sorry, I wasn't looking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but that really makes it easier for everybody else to, to uh, I don't know, to relate to the situation yeah. as well, I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Or another excuse I use when I forget about something is I say, oh, sir, is out of sight, out of mind. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. Bumping canes and service dogs meeting each other. Is oh, that yes. a thing? Oh, yes. Yeah. Is that a, a typical introduction? Yeah, that can happen. I live um, next door to um, people who listen to uh, uh, John and Lynn Morris on Wednesday morning. Um, uh, they'll know them, and uh, that often happens when they and I are outside because we live next door to each other. So, um, you know, our service, our guide dogs will um, will quite often want to say hello to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, of course, would be difficult if they're on harness and you're trying to get them to go somewhere. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I haven't actually had many friends with guide dogs. Well, I don't think since I came to Peterborough, really. My last friends with, last time I was really hanging out with friends with guide dogs was way back in high school. So, yeah. 
bringing back old memories. Wow. <laughs> well, Haley's got one, and Stephen's going to get one. So Is he? Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, Good yeah. for him. And my friend's dad got a guide dog, uh, I guess in the summer. I can't quite remember. But one of my closest friends at Trent, his father happens to be visually impaired, just by coincidence. So. Ah, okay. Yeah. There you go. Very good. Um, shall we have a little bit of music and then come back? I sure. So. What, yeah. have, what have we got for music? Why don't we listen to, speaking of John Morris, and speaking of meeting people, why don't uh, uh, yeah. we it, listen to a song called In Person? Let's do that. Here we go. You made those vows you made to me in person Then when new love had lost its glow You sent your friend to let me know I wish you would have told me so I placed my ring upon your hand in person I should have got it back again in person But so afraid my tears would start you sent your friend to do your part. You really should have broke my heart in person. If love is gone, that I can understand. But it hurts so much to hear it secondhand. I once appeared at your front door in person But I won't appear there anymore in person And though you sent someone you knew To tell me that our love was through I'll still be missing you in person I know I'll still be missing you in person Fantastic. And so can, can somebody give a little bit of perspective on who that, that vocalist was? Who is that? That's John Morris. Um, he and his wife Lynn have a show every Wednesday morning here on Trent Radio. I think it's called Country Spotlight. If not, I'll hear about it. <laughs> but um, anyway, it's uh, every Wednesday uh, morning. And um, John uh, was uh, born and raised here in Peterborough and um, is... Uh, 
president of the Shimon Lake uh, Lions Club at the moment. There you go. Fantastic. So in the spirit of White Cane Week, I'm going to move on and actually read a bit of an article uh, called What is a White Cane? What is a White Cane? To commemorate White Cane Week in 2018, I will post daily articles giving readers some insights as to the types, history, and importance of this vital tool used for mobility by blind citizens of the world. So this is a, an article by the GTT support, so get together with technology support groups. A long cane the primary mobility tool for the visually impaired is a white cane. A white cane is used by many people who are blind or visually impaired. Primarily, it aids the user to scan their surroundings for obstacles or orientation marks, but it is also helpful for other traffic participants in identifying the user as blind or visually impaired and taking appropriate care. The latter is the reason for the cane's prominent white color, which in many jurisdictions is mandatory. Okay, so all of the visually impaired canes are, are white so that non-visually impaired people can acknowledge that it's a visually impaired person with a cane. And they tend to have uh, the reflective tape at the base tends to be red to give contrast against snow. There you go. For similar reason, in Russia, the white canes are actually entirely black because they just have snow everywhere. So. Oh. Yes. Interesting. Okay, and there's a little bit of background on the CCB as well. The CCB was founded in 1944 by a coalition of blind war veterans, schools of the blind, and local chapters to create a national self-governing organization. The CCB was incorporated by letters patent on May 10th, 1950, and is a registered charity under the provisions of the Income Tax Act. The purpose of the CCB is to give people with vision loss a distinctive and unique perspective before governments. CCB deals with the ongoing effects of vision loss by encouraging active living and rehabilitation through peer support and social and recreational activities. CCB promotes measures to conserve sight, create a close relationship with the sighted community, and provide employment opportunities. That'll be a nice lead into our later conversation. The CCB recognizes that vision loss has no boundaries with respect to gender, income, ethnicity, culture, or dis other disabilities or age. The CCB understands in many instances vision loss is preventable and sometimes is systematic of other health issues. For the 21st century, the CCB is committed to an integrative, proactive health approach for health detection to improve the quality of life for all Canadians. As the largest membership organization of the blind and partially sighted in Canada, the CCB is the voice of the blind. That is the end of the article. So, very interesting. White cane versus uh, guide dog. I guess some folks use both. Some people just use one. What's the uh, what's the thinking there? What's why do people choose one or the other? My the biggest aspect in my decision is that I find it's annoying enough to take care of myself, and I don't want to bother taking care of another living being. You know, so th there there are certainly considerations related to how it affects the way I walk around, but the biggest one is. If I'm going to get a dog, I want to make sure I can properly care for it. And I don't feel like I I have a regular enough schedule to be able to, um, you know, keep it... To work getting a dog? Yeah, yeah, essentially. Mm -hmm. 
It's like an employee, right. isn't it? You have to take care of feed and keep keep clean and. Uh, yeah, and it's a totally personal choice. Um, I, I, for one, I, I have a, a, a yellow, yellow lab guide dog named Frankie, and um, I enjoy, as well as being guided, um, I, I enjoy the companionship. And um, I don't want people thinking that I talk to myself. So you <laughs> see, I have the dog, so I can <laughs> talk to the dog. Uh, but yeah, a lot of people, you know, um, a, a, a cane folds up a whole lot smaller than a dog. You don't have to feed the cane. Um, you don't have to take it out at uh, four in the morning, for example. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the cane does exactly what you want it to. You know, when I tell my cane to go right. <laughs> no arguments. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's right. It moves to the right. It just obeys my wrist. <laughs> yes. The dog, I actually have to be verbal and speak with it. And I'm sometimes I just don't like talking to people, let alone to, <laughs> <laughs> to dogs. Yeah. Especially if it, well, it depends. And you get up in the morning and you're tired and you're trying to get to work. And now I, I uh, come from, from uh, both uh, perspectives, I guess the word is. Um, I did travel with uh, a guide dog for a few years, and I did find it uh, very rewarding. And uh, it sure is a, a, a magnet to attract people because <laughs> when uh, people don't know you and um, uh, talking about... Um, meeting a blind person for the the first time uh there's a lot of uh it, it leaves a lot of openings for uh for good uh, conversation um sometimes you know you'll have people that'll come up to you and say uh my that's uh, that's a really nice dog I, un unfortunately we had uh, our family had to put our uh, our labrador down last week and you start up a conversation and 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 that can um, you know lead to uh different uh, different situations if you're on a bus uh and you're you're talking and, and this is before the um the buses uh, uh they they used to announce the stops um as sometimes a blind person may have to or you used to have to count your stops um to know where you where you were it's at the same time uh nice to have a conversation with someone on the bus so you could say um oh by the way just to just so you know i'm getting off at such and such a stop could you let me know and then you know it it uh then you've you've accomplished a lot of things you've uh, uh you've you know opened up uh a, a conversation and the other person feels good because they can help you out. Um, the thing that I'd have to stress about uh, having a guide dog is your um, some blind people like myself have uh, multiple health problems. And where a dog was good for me years ago, it wouldn't necessarily be now because I have back problems. I have uh, I have balance problems. Um, I tend to get very very disoriented and. The as long as you're having, you can have the dog take you to the same uh, place just about all the time. The dog gets to know your your routine, uh, gets to know your your habits. Um, 
gets to know where you want to stop if you're you're looking for a, a certain store you want to go into um it, you know the i found that with me that was it was good as long as i didn't have to change things up because <laughs> if i had to change things up i got really really confused and uh, because my my dog was um the 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 type of dog like very very much a creature of habit of as dogs are and it, it just uh, we, we just had a uh, just a bit of a challenge um, getting to where I really needed to go. So uh, and crossing a street with a guide dog, your orientation and your knowledge of um, where things are uh, is vital because um, the dog will take you where you want to go but the dog doesn't know when the lights change and i often uh because i also have dyslexia um i a few times ran into some major difficulties hmm. because the dog will 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 keep you uh away from traffic but if you make a mistake like that uh you can cause yourself and your dog uh some some problems. So, so, so when you say mistake, you mean you accidentally walk out when the when it's a, a green light, sorry, a red light. Yeah, I've done I've done that, and and poor Max, he he was doing he was doing his 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 best to uh, to keep me out of traffic. Now, unfortunately, uh, it was another sighted person that had that had come over and said, "I don't know whether you are aware of this, but you you crossed at the wrong time," and your dog was. Uh, um, you know, was uh, you know, trying to keep you out of the way of oncoming cars. So, uh, yeah, that's not something that you want to repeat too often. I guess I assumed that the dogs would be able to. I, I made an assumption that the dogs understood the lights. I guess that's, that, no. that's no, they don't. Silly, isn't it? No, they don't. Now they are taught uh, intelligent and disobedient. That's right. Yeah, they are. Um, so if you say forward, and uh, you give a bit of a hand signal. Uh, and it's not safe, they don't move, and the cardinal rule is to never, ever, ever step off the curb before your dog. Always trust the dog. The dog, when you tell the dog forward, um, it's, uh, you, you, you need to, uh, to go right with the dog because uh, my, my problem was, uh, you know, I, I held back a lot. And uh, because my, because of my mobility problems, I'm I'm really not a good candidate anymore for, for a dog. But that you know, a lot of people, um, a, a dog can be uh, extremely rewarding. And they also train uh, dogs uh, for. I, I know of other people who are blind that have dogs, and they uh, they do have uh, multiple health problems, and it works very, very well for them. So hmm. because it doesn't work for one person does not mean that, uh, you know, it doesn't work for a lot of other people. Because, you know. Uh, yeah, different solutions for different folks. I guess exactly. That makes sense. Yeah, right. exactly. So when you choose to use a cane, you lose a friend, and you lose somebody to talk to, and you lose, uh, I guess, a companion but you gain a little bit of control and so ted have you ever considered having having a, a guide dog and debbie sorry could you share the mic there a little bit yep I, I have considered it but not 
strongly. I've, I've never strongly leaned in favor of it, even though I've considered it multiple times and I've really enjoyed uh, the guide dogs that my friends have had, and I realize that they work. The guide dogs work really well for some of my friends, yeah. but in my case, I simply prefer the uh, the way that a, a white cane can just collapse into something that's small and almost small enough to fit into a pocket, and then I can just forget about it. And yeah, I'm curious about the technical aspects of these canes. So, what's the turnover on a cane? How often do you have to replace pieces, and do they break? And and uh, I mean, you have a dog for several years. How long do you have a cane for? The tip on my white cane, so for those who haven't maybe seen white canes enough to know, they have, at, at the end is a tip of hardened plastic, generally, I suppose you could make it out of other things, but as far as I know, it's always hardened plastic. And those wear out maybe once every half year, once every year. Oh, okay. This particular style that I'm using, so, so normally they're only about the size of a marshmallow. The particular style that I'm using, it's closer to the size of a of a tennis ball, I'd say. Yeah. And it actually, uh, it spins to help reduce friction on the ground. That costs $13 plus shipping. So Just a plastic I, ball in the end. Yeah, yeah. So that... You know, again, that's replacing it about once every half year. It's not too much of a cost at all. Very easy to just pull it out and replace it. As for the rest of the cane itself, uh, that really depends on on how good of a cane you like or how um, how how good looking you want your cane to be. Because <laughs> the, the big issue with canes that get worn down is that the reflective tape tends to get all knocked off, and it it is certainly partially the looks thing you know I, I started working part-time with Simon here at a, a non-profit downtown and I had bought some dress clothes to make sure I could look all nice and professional at work and then I realized I'm walking into work wearing these nice professional dress clothes but with the white cane that it has almost all of its reflective tape bashed off and it's very patchy <laughs> I, I just felt like it did, didn't match so I Went and got her a, a new cane because that one was three years old, and and now um, my my cane has a full complement of reflective tape, and I've actually had friends notice it. You know, it's like when you get a new haircut, some of your friends will notice. Hey, is that a new haircut? I had some friends notice. Like, hey, you you got a new cane? It's, yeah. I was really surprised that other people were actually noticing. So I guess my assumption was right that my my old cane just wasn't jiving with my new fancy style so that's another consideration um and and i suppose the the only other way that a cane could wear down is the it tends to get a bit bent out of shape you know especially triple people trip over it yeah yeah that can bend it out very quickly but even just over time you walk down the sidewalk and i'll get snagged and a crack on the sidewalk or something like that and it, it can it can bend up a bit and over time that bend will just get larger and larger and so even after about three years of usage it's something you might not even notice if you hmm. uh, if you just glance at the cane but it still does feel nicer to have a cane that's perfectly straight again in the collapsible canes there is a, a piece of elastic that goes 
uh, all the way through it. Yeah. And it's it, like a tent pole construction yeah. for anyone who's familiar with camping. It's very much like that. It's, it's yeah. a tent pole, and it can not break. as flexible as a tent pole. <laughs> <laughs> the elastic can break, so uh, you that can be a um, situation where a cane is rendered useless right away quick. <laughs> it just falls apart. Yep, it does. I've had it happen. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Have, are there solid canes, non-collapsible? Yes. I suppose there must be. There's a variety. There's a word for them, but I can't remember Support what canes. No, not support no, canes. No. They're just, just regular white canes, but they, they don't have the temple <laughs> yeah. construction. Yeah, they're, they're, just, like, they're just straight. Um, I, yeah, I was like listening it. to a discussion on one of our, um, uh, on one of our groups, the, um, the support group, tech support, and they, uh, they were saying that, uh, there, there are canes. I don't know if they sell them here in Ontario, but they can be, um, purchased. Yeah, they, they can be purchased and some people, some people really swear by them and some don't. Yeah, the advantage of the canes that are one solid piece, they, they don't have the tent pole construction with multiple joints. My cane has four joints. They often usually just... No, my cane has five joints. They often just have four. Uh, but the, the advantage of the canes that are one solid piece is that they don't bend as easily, and so people like yeah. them for that. People who are very particular about having their cane being perfectly straight, and I can understand that. All right, folks, uh, that's it. Um, I didn't play everything because um, not everything applied. So anyway, that's our celebration of World White Cane Week as uh, designated by Lions International. So next week, uh, folks, um, I'm going to have um, the candidates on here uh, for the federal election, which is coming up on the 21st. I will try to get it up uh, into the, my podcast, uh, our podcast, as soon as possible so that you'll be able to hear it if you don't catch it uh, next Monday afternoon. But the questions that they ask or will answer uh, all have to do uh, with questions that I collected from people with disabilities. So they... And that's still open, I believe, right? That, uh, you're still waiting for more? No. Uh, no? No. That's all closed? Yeah. I had to uh, call a deadline somewhere along the way so that I could pre-record interviews with the candidates. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I've got one done. I've got one scheduled for tomorrow afternoon, one for Friday and hope, uh, hopefully at least uh, a couple more. But anyway, I can only do what I get sort of thing, you know? If they volunteer to help out, that's good, right? Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. A, that's a plus. Uh, yeah, well, if they want a job interview, you know, that's what <laughs> it'll be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you've done a few of those. Oh, yes, yeah. What kind of time have we got left, Bob? Five minutes, really. Five minutes. Do we have time to play one more, one song, or no? Well, let's see what we got here. Hold on. Just a moment. This is, uh, it's a song by... Uh, Hold on. Uh, just a moment. I'm not too sure. Just a moment. Um, 
I'll and if we a, don't... Yeah, I'll play a, yeah. a, a, a short one, I think. All right. We'll say goodbye now. And uh, the uh, piece that uh, we have is uh, from the Blind and Visually Impaired Network of New Zealand. And uh, it's called My White Cane. Have a good week, folks. See you soon. Bye for now. <laughs>